Welcome, gentlemen and ladies, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the all-new, all-different X-Men, number 110, the April 1978 issue, which was on sale January 17th of 1978. And it is titled, The X-Sanction. And for those of you keeping score at home, this is the last issue that appears in uh, Marvel Masterworks The Uncanny X-Men Volume 2. Yeah, so the next issue, that'll be from Marvel Masterworks Volume 3, at least from the editions that I'm reading. So, on the cover of this, you've got a dude who looks basically like Colossus in an orange t-shirt on a video monitor who is saying... The name is Warhawk, mutants, and I'm going to slay you with your own danger room. It was bound to happen. <laughs> There's some missiles heading towards Cyclops's head. Banshee's all wrapped up in some cable. Storm is dodging a whole bunch of uh, blasts, I guess, and Colossus is pounding to get out. It's true. He's pounding on the exit. Yeah. The little missiles that are flying towards Cyclops look like... Uh, spaceships. They do indeed. Like X-Wings or something. Yeah, and uh, is this a Cockrum cover? I don't see his name anywhere on it. It is. Oh, it is. There, it's, it's on the Cockrum left. Cockrum Austin cover. Okay. I was looking for that earlier. This is not a bad cover. No, this is a good uh, Cockrum cover. Yeah, yeah. I have to put in the modifier, Cockrum cover. <laughs> yeah, Cyclops is well-proportioned and uh, all the other X-Men look great, so... It's too bad because as we enter the comic book, we realize immediately by the very first drawing that this is neither Cockrum nor John Byrne drawing. Although Dave Cockrum does get an art assist credit. Not exactly sure where he art assists other than the cover. Maybe layouts? I don't know. Potentially. But this is, uh, so Chris Claremont is writing the book and Tony DeZuniga is the guest artist. Lettered by Annette Kowecki, Andy Yonkis is coloring, and Archie Goodwin is the editor. And we get our very first X-Men playing baseball. Hooray! I always like the X-Men playing baseball. I do too. These are always good issues because you know they're settling down and yeah. in between things. And I mean, it's all things considered, I mean, it's a testament to the um Let's see, the storing, the storytelling capability of Chris Claremont and the fact that he's like, okay, it's a fill-in issue, but we write this baseball thing and this just becomes part of what the X-Men do. And this is the first appearance of the baseball in a fill-in issue. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. We've got uh, Wolverine saying, swing better, swing better. And we've got uh, Nightcrawler telling him, Wolverine, shut up. Wolverine, shut up. Pizza's already up twice, and both times he has hit a home run. It's true. Colossus is a heavy hitter. So I guess the team is like this. It's uh, Gene, Moira McTaggart, and Wolverine and Nightcrawler are on one team versus Colossus, Cyclops, and Storm because it looks like you've got Banshee as catcher. So that would put Banshee on Nightcrawler's team. And the professor 
probably isn't playing. Well, he's probably the umpire, so he's actually getting in on the action action too. He's like, X Men, is this a game or a debate? Play ball. Yeah, he's angry. Yeah. <laughs> Play ball, my X Men. Apparently it is Moira McTaggart's last day in New York. She's planning to go back to uh where does she come from? Muir Isle? Muir Island or uh Scotland. And that's what uh, I guess they're unwinding with the game of baseball. And right before she leaves, they're going to get her all sweaty and then put her on the airplane so she stinks up the whole thing. Because the X-Men respect people. Yeah. And then I don't know. Are they going to fly Moira back in the Blackbird or are they going to put her on a commercial airline? No, she's got to go on a commercial airline. She doesn't get first class service. Come on. (laughs) The professor's like, I've seen how you look at that Sean Cassidy boy. You have to take Delta Airlines. No! They have the worst in-flight meals. (laughs) Moira clearly recovered from her concussion last issue. She had a concussion last issue? Yeah, she got knocked over by Weapon Alpha. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. So hopefully they called up Alpha Flight and they're like, no worries, Moira's fine. Does Alpha Flight exist yet? I don't know. In the classic X-Men portion, I think... Uh, Jimmy had kept talking about, I founded Alpha Flight, I created Alpha Flight, blah, 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 blah. That's all. Unless there's two different Alpha Flights. There might be 11. (laughs) There could be. Peter cracks the ball up into the atmosphere and... Not into the atmosphere. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going so high enough that Jean Grey is worried that it's going to... Crack the windshield of a light plane flying at a thousand feet, which I guess he almost did previously. So she grabs it with telekinesis, and that's when Wolverine says, House rules say I gotta tag P to make the out. So I guess this is a powers are okay game. Okay. So regardless of the fact that she caught the ball, he still has to tag her. So Right, because she caught it with telekinesis. It's sure. It's cheating anyway. Yeah. So he's running, he's like, I'm afraid, Dorovich, that it would not be that easy. And Wolverine, he's like, that tough talk, bub. And he pops out his claws and says, if you want to play rough, it's your funeral. Wolverine just popping out his claws at anybody, friend or foe. He don't care. He's like, you see this baseball glove? I'm going to wreck it with my claws. <laughs> Snicked. Comedic uh, display. Mm-hmm. Claus comes straight out of the catcher mitt. Colossus is like, I don't care. And he turns into metal Colossus and just keeps on running. And uh, knocks Wolverine out of his way. A cloud of dust explodes and no one knows what happens. So we turn the page and ha ha ha. Colossus is sitting on top of Wolverine. Wolverine again, the butt of the joke. Get off. Get off of me, you big lummox. No, my friend, not until you sheath your claws. This is a game, not war. Game? War? What's the flaming difference? All right, already. You made your point. I'm backing off. He reverts to his 19-year-old self. <laughs> Get off of me. Uncle, uncle. Have my lunch money. Then he thinks to himself, for now, Peeny boy, but now ain't forever. And next time, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Even though it's just a game of baseball, I will make my claws go right through your throat. (laughs) You don't mess with the Wolverine. He gets a nice massage from Marvel Girl. Mm -hmm. And that massage causes him to age like 20 years. Look at him. He looks ancient (laughs) in this panel. You can't be a loner all your life, Wolvie. 
And I liked being a loner genie, he thinks to himself. No hassles, no complications, no grief. I lived my whole life not knowing what love is and not caring either till I met you. This will be retconned. Oh, yeah? Oh, yes. Yes, it will. <laughs> he definitely has known love. Yes. Maybe he doesn't remember knowing love, though. <laughs> he forgot at this moment. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how that whole Wolverine history thing works. His past is clouded by his obsession with Jean Grey. Yes. Uh, Moira looks at her watch and notices that, oh, it's it's almost four o'clock, and that means the man from the phone company should be here. What? Apparently the phone system is out at the mansion. You would think with the professor being able to build all these crazy contraptions, the last thing he would need to come to the mansion would be somebody from the public utilities. Don't you think? Yeah, I would think given the nature of all the, the secrecy running around the, the mansion that they would probably not want somebody <laughs> to come. Yeah, and you'd think the professor is I mean, smart enough for that everything that he builds would be like, oh, I can handle this. It's just two wires that go to the telephone pole. But for some reason, maybe maybe they're switching from, uh, God, who's a telephone company at this point? I guess it's just AT&T and Ma, Ma Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something that they would call it back in the 70s. So uh, apparently somebody has busted out the lemonade and Moira would like some lemonade saved for her. Banshee says, for sure. Banshee's words are soft, colored by his love for this woman he's known but a few short months. She means all the world to him, as he does to her. More and more these days, Banshee finds himself thinking of settling down. He'd be surprised to know that Moira McTaggart is thinking along those same lines herself, as she races through the mansion to meet the utility van that's pulling up to the drive. Woo! So she's like running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get there. God, I can't let the telephone man down. He'll be waiting there. So she runs up and she opens the door and there's a man with a hat and a basically a jumpsuit on. She answers the door and she says, "Good lord, his face." Oh, but you skipped a you skipped some interesting uh, captions here. We get and now, as before, her thoughts twist back to the days long past, to the dreams she shared with Charles Xavier, to the nightmare they had become. But that, unfortunately, is a story for another time. <laughs> yeah, well, very Claremontian to be like, even though this is a filler issue, let's open up a little storyline here. Right. Yeah. I wonder what his notebook, he must have had some crazy notebooks just to keep track of all this stuff, don't you think? It was one of those whiteboards with all sorts of lines on it. Oh, that could be. No, it said, do not erase. <laughs> yeah. So anytime we don't answer a storyline, it's because Stan Lee came in and was like, what's this? Erase all this. I hate messy whiteboards. <laughs> it was probably a chalkboard back then. Stan! No! <laughs> no! You've erased the Xenox forever! <laughs> I'll never remember what Moira McTaggart was supposed to do in issue 254. <laughs> Moira has recoiled in horror about this man's face, uh, but realizes, or thinks to herself anyways, that he must have had some sort of plastic surgery. The poor man, he must get that this reaction a lot. And she can't understand what was happening. Everything was working fine yesterday, then... Pfft. Well, here we are. Oh my, oh my God. Wait. Hi, Titai. Oh my God. <laughs> That's how I get prepared. 
Of course, of course. And she gets shot. Someone is the 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 mysterious phone man is brandishing a gun, oh. and he shoots her. And ama- wouldn't this have been amazing if like this was it for Moira McTaggart? <laughs> this was she just dis she died right here. And not only that, like this uh, Zuniga guy or whatever, whoever the artist is, was just like into like bloody gore, and like her chest was wide open with blood and lungs sticking out. It was a horrific end of Maura McDaggart. Wow. <laughs> That'd have been something. You took this to a dark place. <laughs> well, that's not what happens. Apparently, it was a gun. Well, hold on a second. What? Look at that. Look at she's opening the, the, the room to the phone or whatever it is. It's like a some sort of computer center. I don't know. It's like a panel on the wall that she's opening up. And is this what phone systems look like? It doesn't seem right. It it's a phone system for the X Men's mansion. It's right. A, it's but... it's not going to be like a phone system that is in a regular house. Then why would you have a regular phone man <laughs> come to service it? That's why this whole story is uh is is flawed because the professor would call Reed Richards and be like, dude, I you got to come over. Like something's not quite right with the phone system. Can you fix it? You don't call AT&T to come out. We're in the negative zone. (laughs) So anyhow, yeah. But apparently the gun was filled with a drug of some kind. There was no bullets and there's no damage to Moira. She's just unconscious. Just as the master said it would. Doesn't make sense, though. She's got a worldwide rep in genetics and biophysics. What'd she need a phone man for? <laughs> Why can't she fix this phone system? What's a woman like that doing playing housekeeper to a bunch of kids? And this is where I also have a question. Are there any kids in the mansion right now at all? Well, I, I still think the the X-Men are like supposed to be 19 or something. I don't think so. Like I thought we had established that like the X-Men themselves have grown in age. Like, I don't think Cyclops is a kid anymore. I think he was 19 when they were X-Men, like the original X-Men. Well, maybe this mysterious phone man is like in his 60s. Although I think Colossus is actually, even though he looks older, I think he's supposed to be like 18 or 19. I think Colossus and Storm and Nightcrawler are supposed to be young. Yeah, and you know what? I've just never... Nightcrawler to me has never seemed like a kid, like a young character. Yeah, I agree with you too. Wolverine's in his 30s or 40s. We haven't said what his age is, but that's just kind of how he is, to me, how he seems portrayed. And I think you're right. Storm's supposed to be, is Storm supposed to be 17 or 18? Because she doesn't strike me as a young kid either. It's just not very good, you know, uh, teenage. I mean, even the original X-Men, when they were supposed to be 17 or 18, they never looked it. They never looked it, but at least they were like, oh, let's go to the Sunday parlor and, and do stupid kid things. Well, they're playing baseball. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, and then the other thing we missed is that like half of the X-Men are in costume, and then I think it's Wolverine and Nightcrawler are the only two wearing their X-Men uniforms, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that is kind of bizarre. <laughs> half of you dress up in your costumes, and the other half wear plain clothes. And Colossus is wearing his costume under his plain clothes. <laughs> he always does. And why is Cyclops playing baseball in, like, khaki pants? I don't know. He uh, He's going to ruin those. Yeah. 
He doesn't have any other kind of pairs of pants. Hmm. He should be wearing shorts. Yeah, they all should be. Well, some of them are. The mystery man, he he drops off his uh, jumpsuit, and now he's wearing a red costume with a blue belt and blue boots. Uh, And he says out loud for some reason, uh, guess that's why he's here, to find out what's going on with his Moira. And the master has a lot of questions about Xavier and his school for gifted youngsters. And he has got to find answers and fast. Then he walks into the computer center, flips on the monitor so he can see all the X-Men playing baseball, and then begins to realign the primary programming. Yeah, but so as he's realigning the primary programming, he's looking at this giant display monitor, and on the giant display monitor, he sees Wolverine in his Wolverine outfit. So wouldn't he be like, oh, I think Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters is a cover for the X-Men, because I recognize that guy. Hmm. You're on to something. <laughs> or, wow, there's a blue devil-y looking guy. I've seen pictures of him in the newspaper. I would just be surprised that I was in this enormous computer room with a giant monitor <laughs> for, for the screen looking outside. I'm surprised about the computer room at all. Something is definitely up here. Yeah, there's supposed to be, like, this is a school for gifted youngers. youngsters. Why is there a huge computer room? <laughs> oh, they have quite the uh, computer program here at the uh, Xavier's Gifted uh, School for Youngsters or whatever. Anyways, uh, a mind-piercing blow hits Warhawk, and we learn that his name is Warhawk because somebody from outside says, Warhawk, I saved you from death, my friend, and I made you a sane man once more. All I require is that you return, all in return is that you serve me. The pain will pass, Mitchell Tanner. Oh, his name is Mitchell Tanner. It is mm-hmm. merely a remainder of reminder of my power. I will always be with you, Warhawk. Fail me or worse, betray me, and retribution will be swift, agonizing, and final. I understand. Curse your nameless, faceless soul. <laughs> But someday I'll be free of you, and then, Master, you'll pay for this. I swear, you're not you're not still there, are you? <laughs> you, can, you I should probably not be saying this out loud. You, you can't you can't still hear me, can you? Because <laughs> that would be embarrassing. Well, anyways, the X Men are done with their baseball game, and they are heading back into the mansion. Jean Grey is pushing the professor's wheelchair with what appears to be the worst drawing of telekinesis ever. She looks like she's puking some lines forward. It's like she's got purple puke coming out of her mouth, projectiling onto the professor. And look, it is even worse than panel four. It's like water rushing out of her head. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about panel four in a moment, but we get a little bit more dialogue about Wolverine and his uh, longing for Jean as he says, Hey, Genie, you up for some nine ball and a round of brew? I didn't know what nine ball was, did you? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a game played with billiard balls. It is. Yep. I had to look it up. You use the one through nine ball and you rack it up like a pyramid and, uh, and then there's some variations you can play. That's the first thing Cyclops to himself. Wolverine's never asked for company before. And why Gene? Then he says out loud, Hate to spoil your afternoon, Wolverine, but you'll have to take a rain check. The X-Men have a date with the danger room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And he's not even jealous at all, which is kind of neat, I guess. He's just clueless. Yeah. <laughs> Why Gene? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> what does he have uh, an interest in Gene for? Oh, well. Nightcrawler is dreading a workout in the danger room. What's the matter, leader man? Are taking a day off bother you? Think what you'd like, Wolverine. Everyone changing the costume. Not <laughs> an answer there. And uh, that's when we get to the fourth panel that you were talking about before, where Gene is helping the professor up what looks like a set of stairs that has been divided into stairs and a ramp. I just want to know, what happened to the professor's electronic legs? Those only appeared once and will probably never appear again. <laughs> so he decided they were a bad idea. He couldn't get them to work right. Yeah, so then he's like, I better widen these stairs and put this ramp down so that Gene can make me go up with her telekinesis. And he's like, <laughs> he's just been stuck on the first floor ever since she moved uh, into uh, Greenwich Village with Misty. Gene, Gene, I can't get up the stairs. Where are you, girl? Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're not in the mansion anymore. Damn. <sighs> I really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Why didn't I put a bathroom on the first floor? <sighs> I'll, just, I'll just crawl there like I usually do. <laughs> Anyhow. He wonders if she's going to join them in the danger room and uh, he worries about her losing her combat edge, but then realizes that she did save the universe recently. And she thinks to herself, Misty makes jokes, calls me her cosmic roomie. I wish I could laugh about it that easily. <laughs> so much has happened so fast since I became Phoenix. I haven't been over to sort things out. Lord knows I've tried. But each time I try to talk to someone, Scott, the professor, I focus, I freeze up inside. Oh. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm a scared. I never wanted to be Phoenix, and yet I'm lost inside, and no one can help me find my way. <laughs> I'd like to get inside her and help her find her way. Oh, bad, bad. <laughs> oh, snap. Anyhow. Jeremy admits his, <laughs> his uh, strange fetish for cartoon characters. Just Marvel Girl. <laughs> Uh, anyways, she's lost inside, yeah, just like you said, and she's also talking about uh, that she, using the Phoenix power, feels so good that she's not sure that she can handle it. And then what's that saying? Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's when Warhawk shows up around the corner and says, Xavier! Oong! And he shoots the professor, and he shoots Marvel Girl, but... She tries to stop him, but uh, her power doesn't work. Her powers, for some reason, are not working. The gun makes a fut noise. Fut. Fut. He shoots her again. He says, incredible, one dart would have decked a bull elephant. Another shot will probably kill you, little lady. But that's your problem, not mine. And this will never be touched on again. <laughs> well, then we go to the danger room where Cyclops starts the training session and as he does, he gets shocked by some elect. Oh, he gets shocked by Marvel Girl's telepathic linkage. Fear, pain, Gene, and the Professor. Gene hit me with telepathic linkage. Upstairs on the double, Gene and the Professor have been attacked. And that's when the door slams shut. And not even Colossus can break it open. 
And in fact, he gets thrown across the room somehow. At this point in the X-Men's career, have we established this whole psychic rapport between Cyclops and, and uh, Phoenix? Or is that what's being developed here? Uh, I don't know if we have or not, but mm. it doesn't... I mean, I guess I just took it for granted. Mm, okay. Since they know each other so well, it didn't surprise me. I guess we've established the idea of a psychic rapport, so... Sure. So, uh, yes, Knight, or, I mean, Colossus tries to bust his way out, but he can't. He gets an energy backlash, shoots him across the room, and then lasers start shooting at everybody. Psych uh, Colossus is unconscious, and Nightcrawler gets hit by a pole, some sort of giant pole, pile driver. It's a pile driver erupting out of the wall, slamming me toward Farwall. <laughs> Stunned, can't move. Should probably use my power at this point, but not thinking straight. Yeah. If only I had some way of getting out of this wall's way. Can't think. That's okay. Storm's there, and she uh, grabs him out of the way before the pile driver crashes into the other wall, which would have smooshed him. Whoever is after us planned his attack brilliantly. The computer room, uh, the danger room computer knows all there is to know about the X-Men. So at this point, Warhawk knows that Xavier's school for youngsters is the X-Men. Yeah, so... And he, he apparently he knows how to figure out the danger room, too. Yeah, so what's the motivation? Like, are we just doing a reconnaissance mission? Are we trying to kill the X-Men? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. Hopefully he'll tell us, but... Yeah, don't hold your breath. <laughs> well, as the narration box says, so Storm said all there is to know about the X-Men. The narration box says especially their weaknesses. And that's when a net gets dropped out of the ceiling and encloses Storm and Nightcrawler. Again, would have been an awesome time for Nightcrawler to bamf, but no. It's like he's unconscious here in these couple of panels, so I'm not sure is what's he unconscious? going on. Well, it... Well, she says, relax, my friend, get your strength back, we'll need it, so... Yeah, and he's just crumpled up for the rest of the... I don't think he's supposed to be unconscious, but he just looks like it is. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, Wolverine springs into action, and he says, Colossus, throw me up there, give me a fastball special. And as he gets flung up there, he starts cutting at the net. Way to go, big fella. Only one chance at this, gotta make good on the first pass, or Storm and the Elf have had it. I got no margin for error. I don't cut deep enough, they won't get free. I cut too deep, shish kebab. <laughs> so, who said everything in life was easy? My thanks, Wolverine. <laughs> it says, uh, uh, Storm? Yeah. Don't sweat it, babe, I'd have done the same for any frail. Hey, Wolverine sees some razor wings heading toward the back of Cyclops, and he thinks to himself, he ain't spotted him. If I just butt out, presto, I got a clear track with Genie. Trouble is, back shooting ain't my style. When Summers and me finally have it out, it's going to be face to face. He tackles Cyclops, saving his life. Saying, down, dummy. What? what? That's one I owe you, Wolverine. I've got to hit the panic button before the computer realizes it missed me. That There's weird logic going on there. Yeah. Uh, that should freeze the program and, and temporarily shut down the danger room. And his weaponry 
My God, it's not working! All the safety circuits have been bypassed! The program's still running! Oh, well. (laughs) You're dead this time. Meh. So they're trapped inside of the danger room, and there's no way out unless... He tells Nightcrawler that he needs to grab Wolverine and bamf to the other side of the, the wall, or the danger room, where there is a power terminal, and Nightcrawler can shut it down. And Nightcrawler says that he can try. He doesn't put up any sort of like, but I can't teleport for I cannot see. So Well, presumably he can see because he's been in the room. Yeah, I'll give you that. So he grabs onto Wolvie. Is this the first time Wolverine is being called Wolvie? Oh, I don't know. I yeah, think maybe. it is. Hold tight, hold tight, Wolvie. This is going to hurt. I barely survived when I pulled this stunt, this stunt with Princess Delandra. Wolverine's small, but way larger than she was. The strain could tear us apart. So he teleports them both uh, out of the danger room uh, in front of the entrance, and he says that we've made it. Must admit I had my doubts. Some trip, eh, Wolvie? So tired. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Do you hear? We made it. And he passes out. Wolverine had already passed out from the stress of the teleportation. Teleportation is not easy Mm-mm. storm doesn't know how long this is going to take uh it would be ironic to survive a war uh on a world millions of light years from earth only to be cut down in their own home Arg! she gets trapped in some sort of uh, metal platform that basically makes itself a coffin around her and she's trapped and she she's worried that she's going to panic and she must control her fear And she shouts, I am not afraid! Banshee finally flies in. He decides to help out. And uh, he reveals to Cyclops that when they were fighting the Juggernaut back in Scotland, they all realized that Storm had a very bad case of claustrophobia. It's hard to imagine Storm having a weakness. Aye, it's not something she talks about. This is strange. She's able to fight it. In this tiny little coffin-shaped box, yet when she was in the catacombs in a wide-open space, she totally freaked out. Maybe that was, like, her therapy. Like, she got past that, and now she's, like, ready to conquer anything. I guess so. Because I, I don't, I don't, look, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think that's, like, the only case of a crippling claustrophobia that Storm's involved in. I think from here on out, it's like, oh... Oh, I'm so nervous about this closed space. I have to stay strong. Oh, but the space is so claustrophobic. Ah, and then she gets out. Well, we never see her get out. Well, of this particular trap, but I'm talking about in the X-Men series. So she's like, she's, she's going to be trapped in this thing for the next couple of pages, which has got to be rough for her. No kidding. It'd be rough for me. And I, I don't even really have claustrophobia. Some sort of sound baffles come from the walls as they go to rescue her. And that causes uh, Banshee... His, his scream is now uh, nullified, and he crashes to the ground. Uh, Cyclops, also being carried by Banshee, manages to grab some uh, debris that's hanging on the wall or something. This is the best part ever. I never thought it would happen, Adam. Even though Banshee falls and is unconscious, a robot comes out of nowhere, and Colossus asks, What is that? And Cyclops said... 
It's a surprise the professor said he was cooking up to keep us on our toes. It's the latest incarnation of Colosso. He's all yours, er, <laughs> Colossus. Hey, we have a duplication of names. I honestly had forgotten that Colosso ever made a return to X-Men pages. Uh, interestingly enough, he only has three fingers uh, to go with his one thumb. <laughs> I think Dezuniga was getting lazy. He's like, I can't draw all those fingers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he, uh, Colosso, makes handiwork of Colossus by covering him in a sort of paste that sticks to him like glue. And he's almost alive and it is spreading over his body and he's like stuck to the floor like a fly to flypaper. Colosso renders Colossus ineffective with a wad of Colosso's goo. <laughs> it's quite gross. It makes a glorp noise. Well, as it would. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, outside, Wolverine has uh, w awakened. Mm -hmm. Woken. How do you say that? And uh, he is uh, he woke up. turning off the terminal, and he can't figure out how to do it. Blasted control panel. It's got more flaming switches than its flaming space shuttle, and I've got no idea which one turns everything off. Oh, heck with it. I'll scrag the whole shebang, which you wouldn't think would work. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if it actually does or not, but, I mean, surely the uh, panel here is blowing up. But the next thing we see is Warhawk come out and punch Wolverine in the back of the head. And this is a terrible drawing of somebody punching somebody else. There would be, like, there would be no force behind this punch. His arm is fully extended, and it's... <laughs> Warhawk looks like he's reeling backwards, but then punching forward. So all yes. of his momentum would be carrying him backwards, so a forward punch would, like, do nothing. It's bad. Yeah. But Wolverine's like, oh, wow, that did kind of hurt. You know, punk, you just made my day. Lately I've been getting stomped by everyone from Magneto to Alien Pipsqueak, half my size, and frankly, I'm getting tired of it. You know, there was this leprechaun, and he called me Logan. Nobody's supposed to know that. Nobody! You want a rough house, bub? I'm more than glad to oblige. Right. <laughs> Warhawk shoots at Wolverine, and uh, Wolverine's able to stop the bullets in midair with his claws. Well, before that, he also says, I recognize the design. It's a flayship pistol firing rocket-powered darts. You got a name, bub? So it's as if Wolverine is commenting that he recognizes Warhawk. Well, he's got his military background, so he recognizes the pistol. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Warhawk also says, I'm Warhawk, little man. I am the ultimate soldier. Yeah, Wolverine slashes at Wolver uh, Warhawk's chest. It seems I've underestimated you. Oh, I guess his, his chest is made of steel and Wolverine's claws bounce off of it. Huh. Which I guess we, we haven't really established much about adamantium at this point. Yeah, we just know that the claws are made out of adamantium, but not really what adamantium is or does. My skin, my bones are a form of organic metal, tougher than steel and impervious to harm. All you can do is annoy me, Wolverine. Well, I can crush you! <laughs> Wolverine gets back on his feet and is getting ready to attack Warhawk when, somehow, Warhawk is able to flip Wolverine upside down and hold him by his leg while Wolverine just dangles there. 
I guess he's got lightning moves. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I thought I had him this time. This creep moves like lightning. His style's a lot like Iron Fist, a character I fought a few weeks back. Wait, what? In Iron Fist 15? Hmm. hmm. Seems like we should have talked about that one, Adam. Oh, man. We're slacking. Well, anyways, let's move on. Warhawk throws Wolverine against the danger room door, and it's at this point that Wolverine notices that the blasted door burned me. Well, he actually, Warhawk finally says what his mission is. Wolverine, my orders were to observe you people, to find out what makes you special, and then to test you to the furthest limits of your abilities. So he was able to do that by taking over the danger room. If I could possibly avoid it, I wasn't to kill any of you. Hmm. In your case, though, I'll make an exception. And that's when Wolverine bounces off the door because it's flaming hot. Yow, he says. <laughs> and that's when Colossus punches through. And so we're not really told whether it was Wolverine destroying the controls or why the door got red hot. Was it? I'm assuming it was Cyclops. Yeah, me too. I mean, it doesn't say here, but I would assume that Cyclops just was shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and then Colossus punched through it. Right. Storm could have probably used some lightning or something to help that effort out too, huh? Well, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Wolverine, are you peachy keen, honey bunch? Yeah, so the rest of the X-Men come out and ask Wolverine if he needs any help, and Wolverine's like, this dude over here, his name's Warhawk, and he's trying to kill us. The day is still young, Warhawk. You're welcome to try again. Do us a favor, bub. Say yes. And Warhawk says that he can't match their power and he hasn't got a prayer against the five of them. But the Master gave him a gas bomb, an aerosol variant on the dart toxin. I'm immune to it, but one whiff and the X-Men will drop like flies. And we'll see who has the last... My belt! It's gone! Looking for this, Herr Krieger Habestuschen? Nightcrawler basically says this. Herr Kriegharbicht. Which means Mr. Warhawk. Yeah. <laughs> it it looked out of place on your belt, so in the confusion... That's terrible. He grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he punches him, which seems to do really well, although he does say, Ow! Yeah. It... Colossus, his jaw, it's like yours, as hard as steel. And so Colossus decks him. Now, we got a, a couple of pages. We get a good look at Warhawk's face. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why Moira McTaggart was so scared. Well, because it's silver. Yeah, but so was Colossus's. Yeah, but she wasn't expecting, like, Colossus to come fix the telephone system. She was... I'm just saying, it doesn't look like plastic surgery to me. <laughs> it, just, it just looks like some sort of weird mutant type. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's very weird. And poor, poor Moira. One issue, one issue, she gets like a concussion. The next issue, she gets knocked out. No wonder she wants to go back to Murile. So the X-Men call the police because that's what you do when a supervillain is trying to uh, take you out. Yeah, this just makes no sense at all. <laughs> and the police take him away. And uh, I guess Captain Delaney, who we've never seen before... I don't even think we ever see him again, but he shows up and says, So how did you do it? How did you school kids do it? How did you stop this unstoppable guy? Luck? <laughs> Cyclops says, I'm 30. I'm not a kid. Please stop calling me a school kid. 
I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you little school kids and your dog, Wolverine, says Warhawk. Hey, I'm a feline. I'm Wolverine. Yow! Uh, Captain Delaney says, why not? I wasn't expecting a straight answer anyway. Be seeing you, folks. I in my school, says the professor, have a somewhat notorious reputation, not altogether surprising when you consider what occasionally goes on here. Captain Delaney wants explanations, and I have yet to give him one he likes. The constant frustration tends to make him somewhat irritable, like the time there were dinosaurs on the front lawn. <laughs> that, that was a rough one. <laughs> that really, really made him angry. <laughs> and I just told him, science experiment, paper mache, nothing to worry about. <laughs> Uh, why doesn't the professor just say, oh, I don't know my X-Men. How about a mind wipe? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do that anymore. Well, while all the X-Men creepily stare at Marvel or uh, Phoenix, she has a lot of time to think to herself, despite what Captain Delaney said, Warhawk's still no more than a second-rate colossus, yet he took me as easily as he did Moira. I should have stopped him, but I couldn't. When I needed them most, my powers failed me, and I don't know why. And that's when the professor's like, Gene, are you all right? We've all been staring at you for 20 minutes. And the professor looks terrible in this, <laughs> cap, uh, in this panel. He does look pretty bad. Phoenix goes on to say, Professor, I've changed my mind about leaving. I mean, for as long as you'll have me, you've got yourself another X-Man. But I'm a woman. So an X-Woman. <laughs> Why is this place so sexist? <laughs> Cyclops thinks to himself, well, Gene, it's actually quite sexy. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's more to this than meets the eye. <laughs> Something in Gene's voice almost sounds wrong. Almost scared. Blasted woman, I want to help you. Why won't you talk to me anymore? Any idea where Warhawk came from, Professor? Or why he attacked us? Cyclops goes on to say... And the professor has no idea. Uh, Warhawk was totally shielded against his and Jean's telepathic probes, so they have no idea. Yep. It's just another super villain who bears a grudge on the X-Men. The... I sense great and powerful forces gathering around us, X-Men, and I fear that they will they may well destroy us before they're through. You'll find much scum and Villainy in this hive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we ain't exactly pushovers, you know, prof, says Wolverine, brandishing his claws yet again, this time to give the stupidest <laughs> ever. Uh, yeah! It's like one of those freeze frames at the end of like a 70s sitcom. Oh, it totally is. We've beat some of the rough customers and we can do it again you say someone's out to scrag the x-men i say let them try they'll find us ready and waiting for them we're gonna do it oh <laughs> i don't know how the rest of that song goes but yes all of the x-men stick up their hands and start fist pounding or smiling and they're like yeah we're gonna get them we're gonna win that football game let's go coach go team <laughs> yow all right, well, that's the end of that fill-in issue. Next issue, Mind Games. It's the greatest show on Earth. Yep. We get an interesting uh, box in the letter page that explains how this issue is a fill-in that was done quite a long time ago. 
uh, I guess, commissioned over a year ago, but it was also written in conjunction with other issues that were written a year ago. So it was a fill-in for Dave Cockrum, but by the time they actually got around to publishing it, Dave Cockrum was no longer on the book. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So just more excuses as to a fill-in issue. So from here on out, we should be uh, John burning for good. Well, for, for a while. Thank goodness. No classic X-Men this uh, month or week, as I guess this issue was not valuable enough to include in the in the run. I'm, I mean, I get it. It's a fill-in issue, but, you know, it's got the first baseball game. It's got some uh, a little bit more Wolverine gene love interest storyline going on. So, I mean, it's not as out of continuity is the last fill-in issue, but... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't include it. I mean, it actually sets some things up. Yeah, yeah, and you've got the the uh, Moira thing where she says the thing that we just talked about. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> that, that thing. <laughs> uh, you know, where she says, my worst nightmare. And then we've got this whole Warhawk thing. Mm-hmm, wait. Who knows if that will ever come into play? Yeah. Whoever the master is. I don't know that that story ever gets resolved. Maybe it does, though. Maybe it doesn't, and that's why it was cut out. <laughs> that could be. Somebody erased the chalkboard. So, since we're not doing some classic X-Men issues, we're going to do some exciting Iron Fist issues. Because as we mentioned, or as Wolverine mentioned, he bumped into Iron Fist just the other day. A couple weeks ago. The first one we're going to do is Iron Fist number 11, which only really has a few panels. But this takes place quite a little while ago where Cyclops is bringing Marvel Girl out of the hospital. So this is shortly after issue 100. Misty Knight and Jean Grey have a conversation. That's really all I got to say about that one. Yeah, that's all that happens is uh, Jean gets released from the hospital and Misty's there. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned it because I wasn't really listening, but Misty and uh, Rand, is that his name? Yes, Danny Rand. Yeah, they're they're an item right now. Mm-hmm. It's true. But for some reason, by the time we get to Iron Fist number 14, they're not so much an item. And I guess she went off on some sort of crazy adventure somewhere else yeah as we talked about in classic x-men she's like some super duper spy or something like that super and duper yep so i don't know adam where do you want to start this particular story because i don't really care about most of it (laughs) yeah i mean i just wanted to i don't we don't have to cover the whole thing i just wanted to talk about how it's the first appearance of sabertooth right and so sabertooth um provide any backstory you want to here adam but basically in it, what seems to me like a flashback scene, uh, we get introduced to Sabretooth. And the only reason I say it's a flashback is because we get these circular um, panels. And it's while he's men, uh, uh, meditating with some girl named Colleen, right? That's her name, isn't it? Yeah, Colleen and Iron Fist are trying not to freeze to death. I guess they have a mind meld, which is convenient. Sweet. So they go back into this flashback of where they headed out to the Rockies, past the Clearwater River, and they land by helicopter at some type of a fortress, but I'm not sure whose fortress it is. 
but in the comic book they call it a chalet. So a chalet to me is like a like a hotel resort type thing. And standing out front of this chalet hotel is a man that Colleen recognizes as Sabretooth. You know me? Only by your reputation. You're a freebooter, a modern-day pirate. For the right price, you'll rip off anything. Quite as true. In this case, <laughs> I'm after the lawyer Hogarth. That's my Sabretooth voice. You don't want to do the X-Men 1 Sabretooth? <clears throat> no. Because <laughs> I think that's his only line in the whole movie. Does he have any dialogue? I, I think he just growls like twice. <laughs> Magneto. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he says one word of dialogue in that movie. I, I, I think he does talk to Magneto at some point. Maybe he does. Maybe he does when the professor takes control of their minds and stalks to Magneto as them. That could be. I don't remember. Anyways, yeah, so here we go. Here's Sabretooth, and uh, he runs up and grabs Colleen and is, like, threatening her life. And then I think he... Is he providing a little bit of a flashback here? Well, they they do a little bit of fighting and Iron Fist and Colleen escape. Yeah. And that's where they end up in the in the Arctic... And luckily, some other people come and they wrap them up in some sort of, what I guess they're sleeping bags. And they just leave them outside. That's awful. <laughs> oh, they won't freeze to death. Those are thermal sleeping bags. The Mounties will be up here any minute now. Yeah, great. And they jump on the snowmobiles and speed away. Covering them in snow. <laughs> and they make it to somewhere in the eastern hills. Sabretooth has caught this lawyer character, and um, then Iron Fist and Sabretooth fight for a while, and Sabretooth is... I don't know, what, what, what about this issue makes Sabretooth special? Anything? He just seems like a kind of a thug in this. Okay, so one of the things, two of the things we didn't mention here is that this book is actually written by Chris Claremont, and it was drawn by John Byrne. That's true. Um, so that's maybe kind of key to that. The other thing that we're establishing with is this dude has claws, he's pretty strong, and he says bub a lot. Does he? Uh, well, okay. I think he says bub once. Well, that's... That's good to know. So there's there seems to be some similarities to one Wolverine, but nobody out and out says it in this issue. Right. And the the other thing that I have trouble with, uh, and I did read it, I just didn't like it. <laughs> uh, was trying to figure out like, is Sabretooth the ringleader here? Like, is he in charge of whatever this evil plot is? I think he's just a hired uh, somebody to who's taking care of this job for somebody else. Mm -hmm. That was what I gathered, but I could be totally wrong. I don't know. I mean, because that's the saber tooth that I know is that he's just a hired help, right? He, I don't know what his motivation is, if it's money or just the uh, ability to kill somebody. But anyways, there's a scene here where um, Iron Fist becomes snow blind. He has to fight Sabretooth without seeing him. Yes. And he does, thereby making Sabretooth seem like a pretty unimpressive villain. Yeah. And we get a little flashback about 
the Iron Fist's master who who made him. I, I don't know, whatever. It's just some some kung fu-y stuff that I don't care about. Because Sabretooth does kind of go into a berserker rage of, of sorts. Mm-hmm. He's not thinking this fight at all. He's fighting from moment to moment, trying to overwhelm me by sheer physical force. Like the Sabretooth tiger, he can't comprehend anyone being his equal. And that's when he beats him. Mm-hmm. And you're finished. Did I do it? I, yeah. Fatality. <laughs> I don't hear him anymore. Is he out or sneaking up on me? Footsteps coming close. And he does a hi-ya. But it's Colleen. Use your eyes, for God's sake, Iron Fist. It's Colleen. I'm sorry, Colleen. I wish I could, but I can't. I'm blind. Oh, oh Danny. <laughs> hi. It's okay. It's only temporary. But what about Sabretooth and his, and his men? That was the line that got me. Like, Sabretooth and his men? It doesn't make any well, sense. Yeah, I, I I think the men are definitely working for Sabretooth, but I think they're, they're somebody else's men. Hmm. Sabretooth is just in charge. The men are under guard. Their boss is out cold. And they see a picture of Sabretooth who is out cold. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. As far as an entry to... I mean, when you when you intro a supervillain into comic books, you don't usually introduce him as a henchman, unless it's Toad. But that was in a team setting. So, I feel like they had to introduce Sabretooth as, like, the leader of this plot, which I don't even know what he, Sabretooth was trying to do in this whole issue. It was, yeah, it was something involving an... There's a dude here. There's this lawyer guy that, that they're trying to get. But, like, then they just fight and fight and fight and talk and fight and talk and fight. And Anyways, it's a boring issue. But what it does do is it sets up... Well, it doesn't even do that. It just says that uh, the next issue will feature the X-Men. Right. And so let's read through that one. This is Iron Fist number 15. It is the September 1977 issue titled... Enter the X-Men, and it is again by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. And uh, there is a uh, holdup the, for the Rand Meacham truck. Do you think this is the Rand? No, that was the Brand Corporation. So Rand Meacham, that must be uh, Iron Fist's company or something? Yeah, he probably co-owns it with somebody named Meacham. <laughs> And he's fighting off these thugs, but he realizes that there's another thug off panel who's holding a gun. He can sense it. And he's able to dodge out of the way and picks up a garbage can lid and throws it at the guy. And then he gets attacked by a mystery villain who fights with the strength of Kun Lun. Oh, yes. Kun Lun. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, uh, he he's like, the voice... The fighting style. It's the martial artist who ambushed me before I left for Canada. Last ish. Who is he referring to? Is he referring to? We didn't mention that. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> is that a reference to Sabretooth? Because I don't remember any of that. No, it's this is not. This is definitely not Sabretooth. Okay. So this guy essentially beats the crap out of Iron Fist and says he wants the Iron Fist. On the second panel of the third page. The shoe that he is kicked, that Iron Fist is kicking with him, looks like a little slipper, like a little woman's slipper. All right, that's those are like karate shoes or something. Yeah, but they look like little women's slippers. I know they do. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> it's just kind of funny looking. 
So we cut to uh, Jean Grey and Misty Knight's apartment where a figure is standing outside. His name is Logan, though almost no one knows it. He likes it that way because names are shared with friends. And above all else, Wolverine is a loner, or was. These days, he's not so sure. This is crazy. What am I doing? Mooning over a lousy frail. Love him and leave him. That's always been my way till now. Jean Grey is different. So he's stalking Jean Grey. Pretty much. <laughs> and he's smoking a cigarette. He's got a photo of Jean Grey and Scott Summers, and he rips the portion of Scott Summers off of it <laughs> Yep, and keeps it as a keepsake. And I, I believe this will come back in X-Men. Oh, really? I think he carries this around for a while. How can she think she loves a gutless wimp like Summers? He ain't for you, lady. I am. I feel like Chris Claremont really does not know Wolverine yet. No, not at all. He's got some interesting ideas and some pretty cool concepts, but at the same time, I don't know. This is just weird. So, yeah, he's stalking out the uh, apartment, and then he realizes that there's some activity going on up there. So he's going to head on up and check it out. And it turns out that the activity that's happening in the apartment is Iron Fist, who is coming to visit Misty. Since he just got ambushed, he is coming to recover. Uh, he, he's hoping to recover himself a little bit. But then he realizes that, oh, yeah, uh, Misty's not even in uh, the city. She's in the Caribbean on a special assignment. And we get a couple of pages of... Misty, hanging out with somebody named Bushmaster, which sounds pretty vulgar. <laughs> I'm uh, the Bushmaster, Adam. <laughs> At least that's what my movie credit calls me. <laughs> I mean, the one thing here is that uh, Misty's got this awesome fro, and she's got this <laughs> awesome 70s outfit. Uh, Bushmaster is not so awesome, but apparently she's so involved in this case that she's like making out with this Bushmaster guy. And again, the dude that's named as Bushmaster, I'd make <laughs> out with him, right? Because you know you're going to end up having a good time. Uh, but then at the end, she's like, oh, I'm getting closer to him than any living human, but at what cost? And she rolls a little tear. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, we don't care about that. It looks like uh, somebody at uh, the Misty Night Jean Grey residence is getting ready to throw a party because there's a banquet table filled with hors d'oeuvres. I wonder what this is. Potatoes, eggs, celery, spices, mayonnaise. It tastes good. I'll have to ask Colleen about it. I guess Iron Fist is not from around here. Isn't he just a white dude who happens to know Kung Fu? I thought so, but apparently not. I mean, interestingly enough, like new iterations of Iron Fist. I don't know if you've watched uh, X, uh, is it Spectacular Spider-Man? There's a new Spider-Man series that's on uh, TV now, and it has uh, Iron Fist. And Iron Fist is very Asian, not oh, okay. like this white dude that Iron Fist is in this comic book. Which would oh. make more sense, right, for him to be, like, part of, like, ancient martial arts of Asian descent and that sort of stuff. But I swear to God, this Iron Fist is just a white dude. Well, I think he's, like, a Batman type. You know, rich industrialist, goes over, learns martial arts, and yeah. happens to get the secret of the Iron Fist. Yeah, so how does he not know what potato salad is? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> this, this salad substance. I must talk to Colleen about this. 
Well, he doesn't get a chance. He hears somebody rushing up the stairs when Wolverine bursts into the room. Freeze, bub. You're trespassing in my woman's place, mister. And for that little crime, Wolverine's going to cut you to pieces. And he's wearing his uh, costume that he got from the other planet, from Fang. Fang, the Fang suit. So my guess here is that Wolverine changed out of those alien threads, as he said in the last issue of Mm X-Men. But he saved it for whenever he wants to do a little bit of vigilante stalking. That's the... Because the letters page in a later issue of X-Men will say that this issue takes place in between when uh, he gets the threads and takes them off. Right. Like between 108 and 109, but that doesn't make any sense. We'll find out right in a few panels. and Immediately after the Stargate, he goes to Jean's apartment and stalks her. And then he comes back through the door with all of the X-Men and says, Man, got to get out of these alien threads. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Plus the fact that, you know, Jean's has time to throw a party before she goes home. I, yeah. I don't know if it's it's not resolved in this issue, but who's this party for? Or maybe it is resolved in this issue. Uh, spoilers, I wasn't able to read the last eight pages. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll carry on uh so they fight and uh wolverine does his oh boy i ain't been hit like that since i was a kid well i'm gonna enjoy this fracas and that's and uh he's thinking to himself incredible uh what did he mean this is his woman's place thinks iron fist Misty told me Jean Grey loved Scott Summers, and if he means Misty Knight, no way! <laughs> no way! And Wolverine goes, way! And then they jump into the phone booth, and they head back to get Socrates. Wolverine's oh. world! Wolverine! <laughs> oh, wait, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> eh, whatever, it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Wolverine lunges out at Iron Fist. Iron Fist punches Wolverine. And they're fighting, and they're fighting, and they're fighting. Iron Fist picks up Wolverine and tosses him out the window, smashing the window. And, uh, no! The window! I didn't think I was where I was throwing Wolverine! Lord, it's a, it's a five-story fall to the street! I've killed him! Luckily, uh, Cyclops... Or, no, not even Cyclops. Who, who is this? It's Colossus. Uh, Nightcrawler and, and Colossus are walking by on the street below. My question, though, is, like, Nightcrawler's all like, Nine, Peter, I am who I am, and Kurt Wagner will not hide behind the inducer's mask ever again, lies. But he, why is he dressed <laughs> up in his X-Men uniform? Why is he not wearing, like, pants and a shirt? Yeah, I don't know what these guys are... I feel like Nightcrawler is always in his outfit. Like, always. So, like, yeah... The image inducer. John Byrne and Chris Claremont haven't quite worked out like whether or not Nightcrawler has another set of clothing. Apparently. Yeah, and so uh, in true form, uh, as Colossus is walking down the street getting ready to catch Wolverine as he falls from the apartment, he turns into Colossus and, of course, has his costume on underneath his suit and tie. Of course. I don't know how those shoulders panels like work out, work out that. Yeah. But hey, whatever. He is unable to reach Wolverine, but luckily Nightcrawler bamfs over to and catches Wolverine, and and Wolverine says, "Let's hear it for the beastly bamfer." Thanks, pal. <laughs> Wolverine, what's happening? 
burglar, I think, tried to kill me in Genie's place. Look, Lazarus, I got no time for details. Just toss me back up there. And he does. And that's when Nightcrawler says, Colossus, what did you, this is Wolverine we're talking about. It could easily, just as easily be the mailman or Gene's parents. So they have to run upstairs. I'd better teleport myself up there before it's too late. So apparently he's been inside a Gene's apartment enough to know where he should teleport to. Right. And he does, he appears behind Iron Fist who sees just the demon. God of all, it's demon! <laughs> and uh, Wolverine comes flying through the window and he's able to flip him over and then Colossus comes up through the door and he punches him and that's when Storm is flying around and she flies in through the window changes into a nice dress mm-hmm. for the party and it looks like somebody hurls the potato salad and it hits Storm right in the face Dun, dun, dun. Splurch. Colossus falls into the table, which causes the the potato salad to catapult into Storm's face. And Iron Fist is like, no, that wonderful <laughs> potato eggy celery substance. Now I'll, I'll never, never know what it was. <laughs> and that's when they all stop and they say, someone's on the balcony. We're in for it now, I think. And then we cut to... Banshee and Moira McTaggart on the street mm-hmm. and they look up and they see the lightning bolts coming out of the building Lord! Lightning bolts Moira exploding out of Jean's flat they realize it's Storm and so Banshee flies up but meanwhile Iron Fist is just trying to escape and he gets punched in the face by a Nightcrawler who bams around him and I guess there's a second between the brimstone stench of his materialization and his punch. Have to use that second. Hit him first. Somehow he figures out where Nightcrawler is going to appear and then punches him. And that's when Banshee grabs him. Well, I want to point this out. I think this is the first time Nightcrawler uses this technique of teleporting multiple times and punching each time. It's a good technique. Yes. One that uh, will happen many times in the future, but I believe that this is the first use of it cool so banshee takes uh iron fist and starts flying away with him looks like he runs him into a chimney or something but i I can't really tell what's happening there i think it's just a bad drawing (laughs) oof says iron fist moira mctaggart is uh kind of upset that last time we had a when fire lord attacked we had a tough time convincing the landlord to let her just stay and the damage here is pretty bad, and they're probably going to kick her out. But what am I doing worrying about the landlord when the X-Men's lives may be in danger? And she runs upstairs, and it's a mess. Oh, my Lord, what's been happening here? So, and she continues fighting Iron Fist. Uh, yep. And that's where Storm shows up. Storm will make you pay, she says, talking her, about herself in the third person. <laughs> Iron Fist handily takes out uh, Banshee yes. with a hammer blow. Hi! And Storm makes uh, somewhat quick work of Iron Fist as, he, as she swirls him around right into the arms of Colossus. And this is when we get our moment of one of the heroes realizing that the other ones think that he's a villain and, oh, this must be accidental. We shouldn't be fighting. 
What I do like here, though, is Wolverine holds his claws up to Iron Fist's face and pops out two of the claws, and they go up through Iron Fist's mask and out the eye holes. <laughs> he will not escape us again, Wolverine. I, I don't intend to try. Listen, there's been a mistake. We have to talk. Wolverine don't talk, bub. He acts snicked. You get my drift. Stop! And that's when Phoenix shows up and sends a bunch of purple stuff around everybody. And in case you've forgotten my small but volatile friend, the name is Phoenix! This is my apartment! (laughs) What's going on here, says Scott? I don't believe this. Dean and I stop out for some last-minute munchies, and we come back and find you staging World War III. But out, Summers, look, Genie, I found this burglar here, and... You're crazy, Wolverine. There's no burglar. He's my roommate. He's my roommate's Misty Knight's best friend. Oh, he's... Oops. <laughs> Lord of Light, does everyone know my real identity? Nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. Okay, Wolverine, as usual, jumped to conclusions. But you, Aurora, why? I was hit. I... A bowl of soggy, smelly... I... Felt so embarrassed, I... Gods, I wish I was dead. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Epilogue. It doesn't take long to clear the mess away, especially with the arriving guests all lending a hand. It's a while longer before the police and neighbors are calmed down. Eventually, though, the apartment is echoing the sounds of good talk and good music, and everyone seems to be having a good time. So, so we got Gene, we got... Some guys with beards. <laughs> We've got Lilandra, and all the guests are like, "What? Who the heck, who's that feather-headed person over there?" Oh, you know what? Lilandra was not in issue one ten. No, she was not in issue one ten. So I wonder if the fill-in they didn't realize eh. where she would be, or, or if there was a reason that she wasn't there. She's still in the bathroom. Like, I don't understand this. <laughs> This wet substance. That never happened. It's, that was a retcon. It's fascinating. <laughs> She's slipping about. The landlord is apparently kicking out Jean Grey, saying, no, this was the last straw. But then, wah, 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 it turns out that the building is owned by Rand Meacham, and Daniel Rand just happens to be there. The Daniel Rand of Rand Me? Oh, my. I'll call the office tomorrow, Gene. You'll have no problems with your lease. I'm sorry about all this damage, though. That's okay, Danny. As far as the heavy work's concerned, I already have a volunteer to take care of it. Don't I, Wolverine? And he crushes a beer can. Into his face. (laughs) Crunch. Don't that, Gene Gray? Darn that frail. (laughs) It says turn to page 31 for an important announcement about Iron Fist, but I don't have. I don't either, but the important announcement is that this is the last issue of Iron Fist. That's what I was going to. It seems that anytime there's an important announcement, it's always, this is the last issue. Sorry, guys. But I believe in a couple of months, Power Man would become Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, yes. So. And then don't they become heroes for hire after a while? Yeah. Yeah. They sure do. Well, there you go, everybody. 
first appearance of uh of uh Sabretooth and is this this is the full X-Men uh not in their uh own title, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of first as written by Chris Claremont. Imagine that. <laughs> I did some Avengers issues uh, 153 to 156 plus annual number six, or I guess king size number six, and super villain team up number nine. They were all part of the same story. Uh, it was some stuff with Submariner, and it wasn't that exciting. But uh, what was interesting and that I did not know was that this old World War Two uh, hero, uh, the Wizard, who is like the Flash essentially, is known as Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's dad. What? Yeah, so I wonder wonder how that's going to get resolved. <laughs> that's not how I understand it to be. I know, so we're going to have to figure out when does this change? Hmm. And how? Okay. And does the wizard ever meet Magneto? I don't know. And does he have like does anybody ever make fun of his name, Wizard? <laughs> What's your power, Wizard? Shut up. <laughs> I go whiz. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> yes. Anything else? No. That's okay. everything, man. Do we get any letters? Nope. We didn't get any letters. For Pete's sake. Well, then that's okay. If you would like to join into the fun, you can visit us at www.redcatproductions forward slash danger room. Actually, you can just visit us at xmenpodcast.com. That's so much easier. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Follow us at danger room go. You could email us at danger room at redcatproductions.com. Or you could give us a voicemail, uh, 501 get X-Men. And actually, we did get a voicemail, Adam. But did we? We did. This is so exciting. Okay, this is from July 10th. Hello, Adam and Jeremy. This is Holden Atreides from Alaska. I wanted to call to let you guys know that Wonder Man's last name is Williams. He is Simon Williams. Uh, and also, you guys should change your message because it still has uh, Exodus greetings. Although, if you take your time, it should be fine in a couple of months. You won't have to change it at all, I guess. Greetings. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Bye. Well, nobody ever calls the number anyway, so. <laughs> What's the message? The excerpts? The Xmas. Oh, that's right. We should we should change that. <laughs> We're just going to have to change it back in a couple of months. Good call. Good call. It's our perennial Christmas message. It's always Christmas somewhere. We should make a all-holidays message. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Holden. Simon Williams. Although I think we actually resolved that in that same issue. It took us a while to get there. Like, Holden was probably listening to the episode going, it's Williams, you guys. It's Williams. He probably turned the episode off. Because I think it's much later in that episode where I'm like, Williams, it's Simon Williams. Could be wrong about that, though. It could be. We we probably do that every time we mention him. (laughs) What's Wonder Man's name? (laughs) And why do we talk about Wonder Man so much on an X-Men podcast? It makes no sense. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, tune tune in next week. Until that time, though, the danger room is closed. One man away.
was laying down. I need a man, a man, a man, a man, a man, a man, a booze explosion right here. Thank you. And I want to tell you right now at this time. Turn the stereo off. I'll never remember what Moira McTaggart was supposed to do in issue 254. <laughs> wow. Nice pull. Because I think she's in 254, isn't she? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think she is. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe not. The fact that you would know that is that's an even more impressive pull. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> do, 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 do. Wait, wait for it. Um, she is. Yes. X-Men 254 is A New Legend is Born, and this is with... The Starjammers. No, it's with Legion. I think it's with Legion. Forge, Strong Guy, Polaris, and Moira McTaggart. And Moira McTaggart is uh, um, brandishing a machine gun. Oh, yeah, as she has done in the past. Amanda Sefton, she's in there as well. And I don't know who Tom Corsi is, but he's in there. Sharon Friedlander's in there. That's kind of weird. And Sunder. Oh, it's not Strong Guy. It's Sunder. Sunder's a big Morlock. Anyways, 254 is where they basically they launch a new X-Men team while the old X-Men are still kind of uh, uh, cast aside by the Siege Perilous. The Siege Perilous is back, you know. Oh, God, really? I wish that would not have come back. So, anyways, good good call in that 254. She was totally in that issue. <laughs> and it's connected to Legion, which is connected to probably what we're talking about. You should probably cut this part and put it at the end of the podcast. Oh, I've planned that already. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at our story already in progress, 